you that we would survive and like a bad penny we are back from outer space i just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face should have changed that stupid lock i should have made you leave your key if i had known for just one second you'd be back to bother me but anyway (laughs) wow that was good (laughs) poetry jam 70s disco style in all seriousness though that was lou's voice say hi lou hey hi Uh, You know who we are by now. If you don't, why are you listening? Um, Anyway, we're here to tell you that if you don't get the big ideas, the little ones shall be lost as well. Mm. Now, what in tarnation are you talking about today? We are diving back into our systematic theology. We are talking about Christology. For those of you that have no idea what I just said, we are talking about the doctrine of Christ. And we are dividing that into two segments. We've talked about the work of Christ. You can go back and listen to those. You should. They'll do you good. So now we are talking about the work of Christ. Dun, da, da, da. So where could we possibly go for a devotion on the work of Christ? Ooh, I don't know. John 3. Now, let's play trivia at home. What verse is he going to read next? Because I know what you thought. I absolutely positively well, right know. You did. You went right they to 16. Did. And if you went right to 16, you did not pass go. You do not collect $200. And you're wrong, my friend. We're going to start at 14. He's <laughs> close. <laughs> you're close, but no cigar. <laughs> As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Now, fun theological aside, part of the reason why I want to go here and not verse 16 is because I think all your red letter Bibles are wrong. And I don't think Jesus said verse 16. I think verse 16 is the beginning of John's uh, explanation of what Jesus has been saying to Nicodemus in verses 1 through 15. But that's a discussion for another day that we aren't going to have right now because that would that would just be another little bunny trail that we don't need to go down. So what incarnation did Jesus just say? Well, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, time out. What's a Moses and a serpent in the wilderness? You see, this is why you have to read your whole Bible, not just part of it, the whole thing. Numbers, yes, there is good stuff in Numbers. Chapter 21, the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. That was pleasant. So the people of Moses, I'm sorry, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Because we have spoken against the Lord and you. It's always a good thing. You know, God's killing people. I wonder if someone did something wrong. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. That's Moses' job. He is the deliverer. He is the prophet before them. He is, while he is not the priesthood at this, he is still acting somewhat like a priest here. So Moses interceded for the people and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a standard. That's a stick. It shall come about that everyone who is bidden, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a standard, and it came about that if if a serpent bit any man and he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, cultural carryover. If you've ever wondered why the medical symbol is what it is, 
Numbers 21 is your answer. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, those, the, the, the medical with the staff and the snakes spinning around. Have you ever wondered, like, why is that the symbol at the hospital? Now you know. You've learned something about your Bible. So Old Testament illusion here. The serpent was lifted up on the standard, so it's waving like a flag in the camp. If the snake bites you, you look to the, to the standard, and you are now healed. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. So what is Christ alluding to? Come on, you get this one. He's alluding to the cross, right? Cross. We're heading to a crucifixion. I almost muddled that. So it's an amazing type and shadow that we find in huh? verse 21 huh? where the people have fallen into sin. They cry out to God or they cry out to Moses who's, who's, who's the representative yeah. at the time. And the mediator goes to the father and the father says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to raise up this bronze serpent, and anyone who looks upon this serpent will be saved. Da, 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 da. Now, know. what is going on? As you said, good typology. Yeah. We are showing things. Further typology is coming into the crucifixion. The law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. This is Paul's argument in Galatians. James makes the same argument. Right. So you don't murder, you don't steal. Right. But you broke another law. Guess what you are? You're, you're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. It's true. We're all guilty before a, tr <laughs> there a, a, you go. a holy God. We've all sinned. There's your Romans 3. Yes. Christ, so the Son of Man on the, on, the, on the lifted up there, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? The wages of sin are? Death. Death. Right. Having become a curse for us, for, is it, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what have you got? You've got Paul explaining here in Galatians what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus, that there's a connectedness to your scripture. Right. There is a singular salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. There is a singular salvation that is in Christ demonstrated by the work of God through Moses, through the Exodus, mm -hmm. through the serpent, through the Red Sea, through the manna, through the quails, through the dividing of the Jordan, through the conquest of the land, through the giving of the judges. All of these things are not events in and of themselves. Instead, they're pointing to what? The one who will fulfill the promise of the garden, mm -hmm. who will crush the serpent and his offspring, who will take our curse upon himself, mm -hmm just as the serpent is raised up, and he himself will be our sanctification, our justification, our salvation. You with me so far? Absolutely. Now, this is fulfilled. How do I know this is fulfilled? Well, this is what Jesus promised you. You ready? Should we do this rapid fire style? Let's do it. John 4, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. The water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to what? Eternal life. So drinking from the world brings you what? No satisfaction. You are you are Mick Jagger, and you can't get no. That's right. Two music references today. Yes, sir. Oh but in Christ, you will be satisfied. You will be watered. You will be fed, and you will be at peace because you will have peace with God. Therefore, you will you can have peace in this world because your biggest problem, your sin, the penalty, the curse, has been taken away by Christ. John seven. 
On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, he whispered in the corner, right? No, he stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Mm. Same point, we won't make it again. Mm. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. So we have uh, Exodus 3 illusions. We have Genesis 1 illusions going on here. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Why? Because if you're not following Christ, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. What color do dead men see? <laughs> they don't see any color. They're in the dark. Lou's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We talked about this, son. Look, yeah, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, not following Christ. You are walking in darkness. Instead, Look at the one who has been pierced. Look at the one who has been raised up as a standard. Look at the one who was raised up as Moses raised the serpent, raised the serpent, and you will see what? You will see the light of the world, and he will give you the light of life. See, life equals light. Light equals life. It's like Excellent. a fun yes, little like equation that. going That's on here. John 10. Excuse me. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is the door. When you go home this afternoon, Lou, are you going to get your pickaxe and, 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 uh, and dynamite out and go through the wall? No, I'm going through the door. You're going through the door. Yeah. Is that why we build those things? Yes. All this time, I've been gnawing holes in the drywall. Huh. <laughs> you should see the That's look. Picture. You should see the look Lou just gave me. Like, you, you, you pictured beady little eye. Yep. <laughs> That's a real picture. Yeah. No, we make doors because that's how you go in. Right. Who is the door that guards the path to life? It's Christ. It's Christ alone. Very next verse. He is the good shepherd. And he does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. So as the bronze serpent is lifted up, so too shall the Christ be lifted up. He will bear our sins upon himself. He will hang upon the tree. He will take the curse of the reproach away. He will give us the light of life. We will avoid the darkness. We will no longer thirst. We will have wellspring of eternal life. Have I missed anything thus far? (laughs) You said a lot, but I don't think you missed anything there. Our final one. Jesus answered, I am the resurrection and the life. See, here's your, here's your down payment right here. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. That's, see, this, this is your full setup. This is what Jesus was trying to get across to Nicodemus, is that what was the Old Testament pointing to? That there was a sin. It is attributed to everyone. It is imputed to everyone, so all are guilty. What do we need? We don't need better crops. We don't need a better tax system. We don't need a better king. We need salvation. We need the serpent and his offspring done away. What will that look like? That'll look like a serpent, bronze, raised upon a standard. I was bitten by a snake. I'm going to die. Ooh, I can look at it. I don't have to touch it. I don't have to pay alms. I don't have to make a pilgrimage. I look. The most passive thing a human being can possibly do. I look at it, and what does God do? God heals me. Because notice, who's the one who's doing that healing? It's God. It's God. Right. It's an allusion to an ascent of faith. Um, uh, I would agree wholeheartedly yeah. because it's dumb. You would, you would think, I need to go run to it and cling to it and like lick it or something. Be like, give me whatever power you have. No. God will heal if I do what? If I look. So in Christ, what's the call? Repent. And then you will walk. Holy Spirit comes because darkness is taken away. Light has been given. Thirst is quenched. Hunger has ceased. You know, path is illuminated. Here you go. You are good and you are in Christ. trusting in God for salvation. Now, why 
are we talking about this? Because this is the work of Christ in its totality. This is what he does for us. He delivers us. He cleanses us. He feeds us. He quenches our thirst. He solves the problem. You name the negative positive relationship and it is in Christ that that is done. Why does that matter so much today? Because that's what we're trying to answer. Like you can read your Bible and get this. You can listen to a sermon and get what we're talking about thus far. What you are seeing in the world around you is the fruit of the rejection of right. this understanding. Right. We're talking about humanism. Yes. Right. See, what if you want to know why there is literally riots in the street, why it is less, le- why, well, less legal, why, how do I phrase this? Why is it easier to go to an abortion clinic right now than a church in California? <laughs> oh, my goodness, the distinction you just drew. That is amazing. That's frightening, isn't it? It's is frightening. Yeah. Why, why do we have churchgoers staying home because they're afraid they might get arrested? Or fined because they went to church that day. See, this is this is the stuff. Why are churches hiring security firms and pay, placing armed guards at doors because people are burning and shooting at them? What's the distinction that's drawn here? And the distinction is between the worldview that understands everything we just laid out from John three and the worldview that has rejected all of this. Right. In that worldview, we 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 summarize this simply. It's called secular humanism. Yep. And the reason why we do this is we want to distinguish human history because there is humanism and then there is secular humanism. Humanism, it comes, um, it, it kind of comes out of the Enlightenment, kind of leads to the Enlightenment, comes out of the Reformation, kind of leads to the Reformation. There's so guys like Martin Luther, yeah. yeah, Martin Luther, would, we would call Martin Luther historically a humanist. Yeah. The idea then was that humanity, they had a purpose they had a destiny that history was moving towards something. Right. And that something was defined by who? The something that humanity was moving towards. Who defined it? Oh, God does. God does. Yeah, we absolutely. don't. God yeah, does. Absolutely. God defined it. Yep. Now, that is why they studied. That is why they learned. That is why they were students of culture and right. society. Because and the sciences. more we learn about what we are like, yep. the more we know about how God has made us, the more we can fulfill that historical arc that we are on for God. The more that we can enjoy the world that he has given to us because we understand it and can live within it rightly. This is good. This is, this is humanism taken to its highest and loftiest ideas, ideals. Right. I mean, humanism in the periods that you mentioned was a very important movement um, because it, it, it helped people become literate. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose of literacy was so that they could read the scriptures. Yeah. And, and, and the things that came out of it are like the printing press. And, yeah, and Gutenberg. Era. Gutenberg printing press, a typeset printing press. Uh, information, you know, was able to be transmitted in a much greater capacity than it ever has. Instead of listening to somebody come tell you, you could read <laughs> it. And so the, the arts and the, the, the sciences and, and all of the things that came out of humanism. Yeah. All your Ninja Turtles, right. they're the product of humanism. Right. If you have no idea what I just said, remember the names. Leonardo, Michelangelo, Raphael. <laughs> I thought I knew that's where you were going. Donatello. Right. I mean... Uh, all of the God, uh, <coughs> when you think through the, the, the Renaissance period and even the, the post-Renaissance period, when you're thinking through people like uh, Beethoven and Bach, 
they're products of humanism. Right. Martin Luther, Desiderius Erasmus, um, guys like Botticelli, uh, uh, Dante would be a forerunner of that. Mm-hmm. Great works of literature, great works of art, great works of music, great works of science. Newton, Galileo, they are part of this system of humanism that sees society and humanity organized by God with a role. Hold on one second. <laughs> I'm doing, doing hieroglyphics with my daughter and, and hand signals. She's looking for something. We got kids running around. There's people cutting the grass. There's all sorts of stuff going on. There's a Bible study starting soon. We're all discombobulated today. Yes. Anyway, there is a progress to history that is Seeking to know science. Why? Because the more we know about the world that God has made, the more we will see how he has organized it, the more we will work well within it, the more we will steward it, have dominion, and live well. We celebrate good literature because the more we appreciate the mind that God has created, the more we can appreciate the the joy that we get from good stories and human interaction. Same thing with art. We can appreciate the beauty that we see in the world around us by doing what? By drawing it, preserving it in a way that is its apex of loveliness, that is good for us, it is right. Now, that's good humanism. Right. We are describing good humanism because that means there's also a bad, one. bad humanism. Yeah. And we call that secular, secular. humanism. Right. This is the modern rejection of everything I just described based on naturalistic cosmology. And if you're going uh, naturalistic, who's a what's a? Kazamahu. Kazamahu, yeah. Naturalistic cosmology is the idea that we have removed God from the universe. So this is your Big Bang. This is your Darwin. This is your uh, eugenics of the 20th century. This is human progress is no longer a thing. We just are. We are molecules colliding and crashing into each other, you know, running this way and that. There's no good. There's no bad. There's no up. There's no down. There's just your perspective, my perspective, and then we all turn to dust in the end. Isn't that happy? Like, there's no Ren and Stippy happy, happy, joy, joy in that whatsoever. Such a hopeless worldview. It is. And there's a reason why it has taken this long. Because you're talking about a worldview that really begins to spawn late... 18th century, so 1700s, you see its rapid rise in the 19th century. You see the Industrial Revolution actually play a part in this in the late late 19th, early 20th century. And then you see the rise in implementation of this philosophy in the 20th century. It's taken a few hundred years for everything to completely go off the rails. Quite a development. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we see see such great... despair in this worldview because it's just there this is all that there is to them yes there is this is this is your uh, nietzsche on steroids this is all you've got this is paul's warning in first corinthians 15 if christ if christ has not been raised we have hoped in christ in this life only we are of all men most miserable if this is it might as well eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die there's nothing else welcome to frat parties on steroids Because that's all you can look forward to. This is the fruit of a secular worldview. Now, when that happens, has humanity's soul left it? Say that again. When this is the worldview that is adopted by the world, has the soul of humanity gone? Like, does it cease to exist? No. 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 Does our longing and knowledge of the things of God go away? No, I don't think so. No, they don't. I don't think so at all. 
I think there's always something in that's hardwired in human. That we recognize that there's a God and a creator. Even if we verbally say, I don't believe it, I think there's something inside of us that tells us that we're wrong. Welcome to the brokenness. Yeah. Because what happens when those things are rejected and suppressed, they don't go away. It's, it's like, you know, having a dirty room in your house. If I close the door, is it clean? In my house, maybe. <laughs> no, we may hope, like no. the Langoliers are going to come through and straighten it up for them, but it right. never happens. It never happens. No, I can ignore the dust in the corner all I want. It doesn't go away. And not only that, the more I ignore it, the more it's going to bother me. Welcome to the modern world. What you've got is not a rejection of the worldview that comes from God. It's a rejection of God himself. Yep. You are living in a world perfectly described by the Bible. Right, because they, they want to borrow from our worldview, the morals and, and, and the absolute truths and, and, and things like that nature. I mean, they don't go as far well, as... Well, they far live as the by absolute. them. They don't want them, but they, they will live by them. Right, they'll live by them. They, they borrow from our, our, our worldview. That's, that's the reality of it. They have but to. But they reject the God that gave us that exactly. worldview. Exactly. So what you end up with is a Judges 21 world. Yeah. And there was no king in Israel in those days, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. See, this is the choice you're being asked to make on a regular basis. And I think I think that passage is like a code word for idolatry. It is. In today's world, we're talking about we worship ourselves. Exactly. We have put ourselves. You have nailed exactly what we're talking about. See, see, if Lou gets it, you can too. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We gotta have some fun here yeah, somewhere. That's a good dig. Now, why? Why is this important, though? This is the choice that the church is being asked to make. This right. is one of my articles in the in the uh, in in uh, issue seven that's going to be coming out shortly, hopefully. Is for too long we as Christians have been comfortable debating the color of the walls and what kind of flooring we put in the church and you know whether or not I drive the minivan or the urban assault vehicle. All of these different things. This has been our fight, and our fight has not been. Where am I telling the draw of sin in culture? No. Where am I saying I reject your worldview? Because this is what the world is attacking us. We're arguing with them over what building will be open. We're arguing with them over what's going to be allowed between here and there. They're destroying our foundations, or at least they're attempting to. We are not fighting back in the right manner. We are fighting at legislation. What's the definition of marriage according to the law? I don't care. We're fighting against free speech. What's the government going to allow us to say? I don't care. We need to be fighting at the levels of foundations. Who is the lawgiver? Who is the one who ordains nations? Who is the one who ordains marriage? I don't care what the state does. Do what you want. And when the state tells you it's good, you know what I'll tell the state? You're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. I, I don't need the state on my side. I have, wait for it, God. On my side. I want to attack the foundations in the worldview that underlies these things. I want everyone to know that they are accountable to God. Why? Because they are! (laughs) I I, I mean, we say, when we say God is on our side, I I, I understand that, but I think we're on his side. He's the one that said it. Agreed. We get to keep it. Then let me define that. When I say God is on my side, what I mean by that is, will the world win? Absolutely not. No. They have rejected the arc of history as having a purpose. They 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 have rejected that. I have not. Right. Not only have I not, but I recognize that humanity has a goal. 
And I am on the right side of that goal. I recognize that history has an end. And I am on the right side of history. (laughs) I'm glad I said that. I I really like the way you define that. that, Therefore, what am I afraid of? You shouldn't be afraid of anything. Therefore, take your life. But they can't. But they'll never take my freedom. Oh, oh, that was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Now I want to go paint myself blue and wear a kilt. Too much fun. (laughs) Now I want to paint myself blue and wear a kilt and and do bad Scottish accents. (laughs) But I'm Irish, so I can't. So. So this is how, now you're asking me, okay, I get this. So you want me to attack the foundations of the world. How do I do that? You know, that's an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked it because that's why we're here. So this is where we're going to move from. Now you've understood the problem. You've understood the reality. Right. You've understood the rejection of that reality. Now, how do we stop fighting up like at head level? Like, how do we go from being bad headhunting boxers, you know, trying to knock everybody out to, you know, old school fighting technique, kill the body and the head will die. That's what I want to do. I want to kill the body. All right. Where do I find goodness in the world? Hmm. Excuse me. Because this is the problem you're seeing in the world. When you are looking at Black Lives Matter and you are looking at Planned Parenthood and you are looking at eugenics on display and you are looking at critical race theory and you are seeing all of these things that you are seeing – what you're looking at is the world trying to find goodness and peace in their worldview. That's what they're hunting for. Now, Micah 6. This is one of those verses that a lot of people know. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good verse. What, with what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings? With yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? That's a lot of oil. Mm-hmm. Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts? No, there's, there's commandments against that. The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. Now catch this. When Micah says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. Where? In the scriptures. See, this is the point of the scripture. These are not traditions to be mesmerized so that you will never forget them. They are precepts. They are foundations upon which you build a life that honors God by changing your heart, changing your mind, and thus influencing your actions. This is the progression of godly living in the world. So I know what is good because I have seen how God has dealt with his people. I have seen what he has promised his people and how he has called them to act in light of that promise. I mean, summarize the law for me. What's the summary? Love God and love your neighbor. There we go. This is my goal in life. Now, that means when I see my neighbor doing dumb, sinful things, do I go, oh, bless his heart. He don't know no better. If you're from Georgia, maybe. But no. (laughs) I say what? What's the most loving thing I can do to the man destined to hell? You can tell him he's going to hell. (laughs) In a handbasket. And it's not even a pretty one. And we don't even fix the handbasket. We just get him out of it. Right. There's a ski lift analogy in my brain somewhere that I just don't know how to make work. So we're just yeah. gonna keep we're just gonna keep going and pretend we're just gonna pretend right I now. didn't say that. It's hard now. It's hard to see that. <laughs> so furthermore, let's go back another Old Testament. See your your yeah. current justice people. This is their Bible verse. Yeah. The justice people like this one. So you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna fight them for it. Amos five. <clears throat> I hate. I reject your festivals. This is God speaking. Nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. 
and I will not even look at the peace offering of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. That's kind of all of their worship gone, isn't it? Yeah. Why? Hearts aren't changed. Right. They Hearts are, are in the wrong place. Yeah, they, who are they, they worshiping? <clears throat> well, it ain't the God of the Bible, that's for sure. And if we're not worshiping God, who are we more than likely worshiping? Well, us. Yeah, right. we're worshiping more than likely us. So they, instead... They corrupted everything that God gave them, though. The and therefore, it is no longer pleasing to him. Right. Verse 24. Right. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Yeah. See, where is that found? That is really a sobering verse, Michael. It is, and it's meant to be. See, where is justice found? It's found in God. Right. It's not found in the streets. It's found in God. It's found in eternity. Right. This is why history has an end. I think there's a caveat to that too, though. There, the caveat is doing it with a right heart. Even though a person could take precepts from the scriptures and walk in them and do them, they will not be pleasing in the sight of God unless your heart is right with God. Notice the progression we made earlier. What did, how, did, how did I describe godly living? What was the progression? Right, right, right. Changed heart, which leads to a changed mind that influences actions. Right. If the actions are changed to align with God's commandments, but they are done for any reason other than a heart that loves God, they are done in vain. Right. Justice will roll down like waters. God in eternity will judge that sin because that's where the man says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's the warning from Matthew 25. It's the same warning. Jesus doesn't pull that out of thin air. He's consistent with what has been given in the prophetic witness before him. We don't want justice to roll down on us. That's not good. That looks like a flood. Go read Genesis 6 through 9. It'll do you good. I mean, that's what God's <laughs> right, justice right. against sin looks like. You it bet. is not pretty. Go read Genesis 19. It's not a pretty thing. What you want? Righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Yep. We want it unending. We want it to quench the thirst that we are supposed to have for righteousness, according to Matthew 5. Where is that quenching for thirst? Hmm. I think we read some verses about that a few minutes ago, didn't we? We certainly did. Yeah. This is the Son of Man lifted up like the serpent of the wilderness. See, things come full circle. I almost know what we're doing around here. Yes. See, this is where goodness and righteousness are found. Not in me, not in community, even though that can be good, not in good laws, even though that is good, not in any of those external things. Goodness and justice and righteousness are found in Christ. Therefore, if I want my world to be better, I need more people to be living in submission to him. I need their hearts changed by the Holy Spirit so that their minds will be renewed so that their actions will honor God. That's what I need. Yeah. And if I don't get that, I'm going to get anarchy. See, this is what happens. See, this is, this is your 2 Corinthians 5. We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador's job? Well, that's, that's a good question. I mean, if you, if you look at it today... <laughs> um, we are to represent yeah, the it's, kingdom. It's a representative. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Make disciples. Wow, that was... <laughs> Read my lips. <laughs> yeah, if you, you, you got to see the enunciation. Poor Lou is just like, I feel so bad now. <laughs> so you're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. Because he is. We beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. 
he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, there's where righteousness is. It is in Christ because only Christ, the way Galatians put it, can take away the curse. Only Christ, the way that the serpents in Numbers 21 did, can remove the judgment. Only Christ can grant righteousness. Without Christ as the cornerstone of the worldview, this is all wasteful. It's useless. Mm -hmm. So when you're having the argument, how is burning down buildings going to give us peace and justice? Because that's the chant, right? No justice, no peace. How is it just to destroy things? It's not. Where is justice going to be found? In Christ. Christ, But the government's unjust. Then vote the puppers out and get somebody new in. But know that our justice is ultimately not here. It's not here. The secular world cannot provide it. Our justice is in Christ. Either that sin will be paid for by that person in eternity in hell, or Christ will have borne the penalty for it on the cross. You know something, Michael? You, you know, when you talk sometimes, it's just like things are moving at a thousand miles a minute in my head. And when you reference, you know, there's no peace without justice, I just can't stop but think how hypocritical this world is when they can say that, and then out of the same mouth they're saying kill all these babies kill all these children but there's going to be no peace without justice where's the justice in our country destroying things because that's a just act harming innocent people because that's a just act no it's hypocrisy why is it hypocrisy because the foundations are built out of what Idolatry. When the foundations are rotten, the whole house falls apart. Christian, our goal is to attack the foundations. Ask them, define justice. Right. Not in a temporal standpoint, but in an everlasting standpoint. When is justice just? When is it justly done? There's a fun one for you. See, it can't be because it's never going to be in a fallen creature. And as Romans 3 tells you, how many creatures are fallen? All. All of them. Are they better? No. We have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. There is none righteous, not even one. None who understands. None who seeks for God. All have turned aside. All have become useless. None does good. Their throats are open graves. They deceive with their tongues. The poison of snakes is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They shed blood. Their destruction and misery in their paths. They have not known the path of peace. Path of peace. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. Other than that, they're batting a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> this is anarchy. Paul's describing anarchy, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. What are you seeing in your world today? You are seeing anarchy. Why? We have rejected the work of Christ. Why have we rejected the work of Christ? Because we have rejected the God who he is. See, this is why the person and the work are, un, are, are unsplittable. There's a better word for that, and I just don't know what it is. Indivisible. There Indivisible. you go. That's a good American Can't word. Them. Yeah. They can't be taken apart. Why? Because what God does flows from who he is. Um, Human being, I have bad news for you. What you do flows from who you are. Yeah. Yeah, just like when you open your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. I mean, it's it's a simple principle. If you are unredeemed and degenerate, you will live ultimately unredeemed and degenerate. If you are redeemed and, re- redeemed, redeemed and regenerated, you will ultimately live how? As though one is redeemed and regenerated. This is the difference that we have. This is what happens. Now, why is the work so important? 
These people that we're describing who we're trying to deal with their foundations, these are the people that Jesus came for. I'll never forget, it's a great sermon illustration. God doesn't save good people. You know why? Mm, Because good people don't need to be saved. So the fact that the Savior came means... There's none good but God. There aren't any good. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. 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 You're exactly right. This is, the, this is who we're supposed to be proclaiming. When we see the world, we've got to get rid of the anger. Why? Because they're not bringing justice. That bothers me. I understand that. Where will your justice be found? In eternity. Yeah. I can put my life on the line. I can live in an unjust world and speak justly. I can confront sin without fear because I know that I am secure and that if they take my life... God will deal with them. Right. I mean, this is really no different than what um, happened in Abraham's life and the promises that God made to Abraham. And he never lived long enough to see them all Mm -hmm. fulfilled. But here we are today after the resurrection and we're seeing these promises fulfilled. And God is not a liar. He is going to, when he says it, He's going to do it. You're describing the end of Hebrews 11. All those people listed in Hebrews 11. What's the punchline? All these died. Right having not seen because because God's the the march of history was not completed because God has not done with it yet therefore it has continued on i got news for you it's going to continue to continue on until God's done with it right. why because there is a goal to humanity and a goal to human history and it is the praise worship and honor of God reject that chaos ensues restore that restore order and beauty and light now, how do we restore that? By changing the hearts and minds of people. How do we do that? By preaching the gospel, proclaiming Christ and him crucified, the one raised up like yeah. the standard. And then, then the Holy Spirit, as men repent, changes their hearts, right. which was, changes their minds. Yep. It guides yep. their lives. See, yeah, I was just going to say that. I think the only thing that can change the heart of a man is, is the Holy Spirit. Yes. This is what's going on. This is, this is why you're here. This is why you're bothered by the things that you see. This is why you're bothered by the injustices of the world. This is why you're bothered by the, the problems of the world. It's because you have a solution. And the solution is ultimately the work of Christ. This is where the theological becomes the practical, is we take what is done in Scripture and we apply it in our lives, not just to myself, but in everything. So, you know, when this comes up, you know, water cooler conversation, what do you think of these riots? I think you're seeing godless people live in a godless manner. (laughs) And then after you pick up all your coworkers off the floor... You can explain what you actually mean and why the fruit is what it is. You can go from the fruit back to the root. See what I did there? That's nice. <laughs> nice illusion there. Yeah, this this yeah. is the goal of, of Christian dialogue. Right. Is we have to be willing to say, somebody's going to get mad at me, but this needs to actually be said out loud. We need to talk. What's the worldview at work here? What are they aggravated about? What are they asking for? What's being demanded? And is it in comport with God and his word? Because if it's not, then the answer is always no. Take a child holding its breath. I don't care. Turn blue. Pass out. You'll wake up. It'll be all right. Hmm. This is the distinction that we have to deal with. This is how God is working in the world. This is how he's always worked. Yeah. I mean, how many times did you want in the Old Testament God to just like come down and drop more fire and brimstone? Oh, be the mighty smiter? Yes. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I want. I want more smiting. <laughs> we need more smiting, you know, more cowbell. That's what we want. That's what we need. That's what we desire. And we don't get it. Yeah. 
So when we look out at the world, now, why didn't we get it? Because God had a people. God had a witness and a testimony and an ambassador. Of mercy. Doing his work so his mercy can reign because justice will come. Right. But in the meantime, proclaim righteousness. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, Christian. Guess where you find yourself? You find yourself in a place where you get to make a decision and decide how you will work. You get to answer Joshua's question in charge. Mm. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my family, we yeah. will serve the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. We're all going to get to live this out sooner than later because this is the, tr- this is the struggle and the trial we're going to be given. And this is the advantage. Because John, we made a big deal, or at least I made somewhat of a deal, that I don't think, Je- I think Jesus' words stop in John 3 at, at verse 15. I think from 16 on is, is John's commentary on it. But you know what? The commentary is still there, and it's still good because God loved the world. How do I know that? Because he gave his son that whoever believes in him does not perish but has eternal life. Because God did not send the son into the world to judge, but that the world might be saved through him. Right. Judgment's coming. We already know that. Yeah, those who don't believe it, it goes on yeah. to say that they're already judged. And Christ is going to return in judgment, yep. but he's not returning right now. Which means I, can opportunity, I get an opportunity to make disciples, to walk in faithfulness, and to accomplish my job as the ambassador. That is so important, Michael. We can't be escapists and thinking hmm. we need to just check out from the world and wait for the, the rapture to come. The world I'm won't sorry, let I'm not you. trying to start a fight. But, yes, he is. Um, <laughs> we can't do that. We can't sit back on our seats and do that. We have to make disciples until the Lord returns. Well, and here's the beauty of it. The world won't let you wait anymore. That's what you're seeing. We have avoided this fight for so long. We have hidden in our churches. We have been polite about this. We have avoided the fight. And the world is now saying, no, we want the fight. We're bringing it to your doorsteps. Mm -hmm. And this is not a fight about racism. And this is not a fight about justice. This is a fight about worldviews. What is the standard? Whom do we serve? For what will we stand and where are we going? Because the godlessness of a secular worldview is not going to stop and abate. It's going to continue on. What we have to remember is one of my favorite Bible verses, Ephesians 2. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when they were burning down police stations, even when they were assaulting federal buildings, even when they were closing churches. Even when they were killing our children made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We're being given an opportunity. We're being given a major opportunity to sit down and look at the world and say, no, we're the adults, we will stand up, and we will say no. And here's why. Your worldview is void. Your, cons- your inconsistency is demonstrable on such a scale that or, or I'm just not going there anymore. So let's decide why. Why do you think this is the right response? Why do you think this is the right thing? Because now we're dealing with what true justice is and where it will ultimately be found, which is in Christ. We're dealing with true righteousness and where it will ultimately be found, which is in God. We're dealing with peace. We're dealing with society that needs to be built how? On government fiat? No. no. On the word on God. godly principle and submission to proper authority in God. Mm-hmm. See, this is what's lost. This is the argument that we have to have. Yeah. If we're not willing to have this, we're doomed. Yeah. Because what we have said is we agree with the world, which means we're disagreeing with Christ. That's never a good place to be. Right. All right. Did we miss anything? No. I, I would just say that 
when we look at the world today, I think what we're seeing in real time is an agenda playing out. Mm-hmm. And that agenda is, is a godless agenda. Uh, they're seeking to destroy a country that at one time declared that they were an, a, a Christian nation. And, and, and they, they don't want that. They, they want to supplant all that God has said and all that he has done. They want to pretend that he's not here. He never existed. But they can't. No. They can't. So, so what's your comfort? Your comfort is the things that we've learned today, children. Right. Jesus' work actually accomplishes things. It accomplishes peace, righteousness, security, all those good things. We cannot access them apart from God in Christ. So we can't have justice. We can't have righteousness. We can't have peace unless we first have Christ. And our goodness must be found in our work for God. Mm-hmm. See, there's the goal of human history. Your offering of yourself unto God as a member of his kingdom. All right. If you'd like more on this topic, you can actually find the Heretics podcast where we did secular humanism a few weeks ago. Yep. Not an in-depth dive, but you know enough to get you started and kind of point you in the right direction. New issue of the journal is on the website. You can find that there. Uh, volume 6 is front and center. You can't miss it. Or Volume 1, Issue 6, front and center. Can't miss it. We're going to get caught up sooner than later. I'm going to try to get everything sent out. I, pro- I promise you, you'll get 12 issues before the end of December, and you will. So help me if it kills me, and i got to figure out a way to like invent more hours in the day. We'll get it all figured out. New feature in this, in this month that I think it'll be a lot more fun for you guys, so enjoy that. Check that out, practicaltheologyministries.com. Um, if you're sick and tired of listening to us on Podbean, I've made mention of this before. I'll do it again. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, and Podbean. We're having all sorts of good fun. Oh, yeah. So all these good places you can find us. And for those of you that are downloading and listening internationally, meaning you're not in the United States, uh, welcome. Enjoy watching the news. Uh, if it's not in your country yet, it's coming, or you're actually ahead of us on the scale based on some of the countries that are downloading and listening to. So hopefully we've been an encouragement to you as well. Any questions or comments or complaints, send them to info at practicaltheologyministries.com. We will read all of them argue with every single one of them and show you how you're wrong. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> if not, promise. yeah, we will, we will have fun. So um, that covers everything. Uh, until next time, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.